Welcome to the Whitetail Obsession Podcast with Dave Richman and co-host Chris Worthing, where we talk and teach everything deer and turkey hunting related. Follow along as we help teach you tips and techniques about hunting, food plots, and habitat management strategies that everyone can use. All right, guys. So we're on podcast 42. Like your age. Yep. I have coffee because we're actually recording in the morning this time. And it's actually a Saturday. And according to Chris, what do you got? You've been, you've been sleeping your life away. I've been Rip sleeping Van my Winkle. life away. Rip so Van Winkle's been, been sick. so We've been trying to record this for the past three days. And every time he we we make a day, I'm, I'm sleeping. And, Dave sleeps. <laughs> and I, I can't wake up. And we had plans to record today on Saturday because it, neither one of us are hunting because it's raining. Um, at 9 a.m., well, <laughs> I'm, I fell asleep on my couch again, <laughs> and I hear my phone vibrating against the wall, and it's him calling me. He's like, where are you at? <laughs> so, it's 10 o'clock Saturday, and we're finally recording the podcast. Finally. How was for, all your, for all your viewing pleasure, there's yeah. Dave in the morning. I'm sick. And, and I got bags under my eyes. Right. I'm Tired. up every day at four or five o'clock anyway but this so this isn't early but today it's early no but i i i stayed up last night after i talked you home from your drive home from your public land hunt mm-hmm. making sure you didn't fall asleep and die yep i went up to camp took a shower and then i was wide awake again so i watched a video uh i was up till midnight so. lucky you I slept till 6 a.m. and then said, screw this, it's too early, so I went back to bed till 8. Nice. The rain on the roof sounds good. Yeah, yeah. I'm I getting over it. I'm getting over my cold. Yeah. Today, I think day's number, today's day uh, 6. He's got COVID. I don't have no COVID. But, uh, Take the jab. Right. Get a shot. It, nope. We're going to have to delete that out of this podcast. <laughs> We're going to get banned from Apple. Why? You mentioned COVID. COVID. You mentioned COVID. Oh, they don't ban us. Anyway, uh, I did go hunting yesterday, and I have a topic that I want to talk about today briefly that refers to the October law again, because we uh, episode 41 was all about the October law, half mm-hmm. hour of it. Well, now this is a very specific story about it because I have a buck. And I'm hunting, and I was like, you know what? We got to talk about this on the podcast. And you have no idea what I'm gonna talk about. No, I don't. Hit me All with right. it. All right. Surprise so, me. and this refers to everybody because it gives you a, 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 a huge picture of what's going on. So, I found a brand new public hunting land uh, back in August. And it's, it's in Maryland. It's about two hours away from where I live. I'm not going to tell you where it's at. But I went out there and scouted it one time. And I hung three cameras. I was getting various bucks throughout the summer. Does and stuff. In good areas. And where I set the cameras was two was on pinch points. And then the third one was kind of out in this little grassy area between two, two sets of timber. And to give you an idea that property is 2000 acres 
it's 75% woods, 25% uh, a mix of early successional gross fields and ag. So keep that in mind. Now, I didn't start hunting this place until uh, the last day of September. So I've, today, late yesterday when I hunted it, it would have been the third day that I hunted it. Um, now, a buck showed up there around the end of September. A very, very good buck. It's probably got 13, 14-inch tines, G2s, split G2s. Very, very good buck. And I, I want this buck bad because I've never shot a deer that had such long tines on it. Well, he was coming one way past my camera at night, coming back the other way during the morning time. And it was all dark. So in a typical person's setup, you would say, oh, you know, that, that deer is nocturnal on my property. Well, you're talking 2,000 acres that that deer could be. And it could even be off of there. It could be on private land. So what I did was I looked at the map on aerial photo. And I was like, where is this buck going? Where he's got to be in there somewhere during daylight. So the last time I hunted down there, I moved my cameras. And two days later, I got this buck during the daytime. And if as a crow flies, he, where he's at now on my cameras in daylight is 0.72 miles away. So where he was the end of September... Going past the camera one one way at nighttime, the other way in the morning. He's now three quarters of a mile away as a crow flies. So what I'm saying, what I'm trying to say is if somebody only has 40 acres to hunt on and that deer is coming through there at nighttime, there's nothing you can do. Oh, he's on. He's he's way far away in the daytime. Somewhere he's somewhere. Else. He's somewhere <laughs> far away. Yeah. So, and it gives you the illusion that it's the October law, and this deer is nocturnal. No, right. he's somewhere in the daylight. <laughs> and you know, if you had the ability to drift off of your forty acres and go somewhere else and find this buck, you would see that he's daylight somewhere. Daylight. They daylight somewhere. So, and that's what I did. I moved my cameras. I adjusted. I look at the maps three quarters of a mile away. I got them three times during daylight hours. Now it's just a matter of playing cat and mouse with them, like you said, and being there at the right time, you know, yeah. that he's coming through during the daylight. And it's a pinch point um, that I got him on. And it's close, closer to a bedding area. Um, and another thing I want to say about this is you could take two square miles, just, just reference two square miles, put deer inside of that two, two square miles, fence it off, trap those deer inside that two square miles. Within that two square miles, the habitat's going to be different. The lay of the land could be different. Thickness, you know, thin, open areas, early sectional growth, could be acorns over this side. You place trail cameras all through that two square miles. Somewhere in that two square miles, those deer are going to be nocturnal. But somewhere in there, they're going to be daytime. Yeah. You just have to figure it out. 
And the other part of this, again, is hunting season could start in September, October, November, December, January, February, March, April, May, June, July. Whenever the hunting season starts, you're going to see this this change. decline of yeah this, this decline it doesn't the matter decline of a, sightings in the area right. you're in yep we are in it could the hunting season could start any month of the year and you're going to start to see a decline yep the second part to that is skip hunting season forget about hunting season deer are going to change their pattern if it's november december january february march april may june july september october food sources change always all season long so why did that buck shift why why was he three quarters of a mile away he adjusted it, he adjusted to could have been somebody that was hunt, hunting him closer could have been food could have been food could have just been whatever whatever his reason was he moved and and that's what's happening but it doesn't matter if it's october september november december this same scenario would happen every single month of the year. Yep. Hopefully that makes sense to people. And you could call it the November law, December law, yeah, January really. law. Yep. I mean, you could have a name for it every single month. I was just telling you before we came on the air that a very prominent YouTube celebrity just had a video called October law. And I watched the first couple minutes of it because I usually can't stand even the sound of his voice, but <laughs> because the, the stuff he, he talks in circles and he's just very, uh, uh, influential on people, whatever he says, people take as gospel. Well, he actually made a video about October law and basically reiterated stuff that you just said. I mean, he was being, he was being honest with the people for once. And he said it, a lot of these states come in in September and they experience the October law in September. And then he said, it's very real. And I thought, uh oh, where's he going with that? And then he, his next sentence was, it is real because the problem is you. You made the October law. Why? Because mm -hmm. you're in there checking trail cameras, you're putting scent down, you're in there invading territories. You, they, they see you, you bump them, they move on. Food sources change, bedding changes. There might be some early, believe it or not, there's some does that come in earlier than others. Even in the first couple of weeks of October, some are freakish and they come in early. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm, I'm experiencing it here at my property where I'm hunting. I've, I've got a big buck that came out the other night and he checked all 15 does that were in the field. And he, he was chasing them around, trying to, this one specific one, he had, he had a lock on. He was after, her. he ran her off the field. I was mean, it she, a, was it a smaller doe or a larger doe? It was a larger doe. And those are the ones that usually come in first. And he, he was locked on her all night long. And he ran does in the field in front of me for an hour and a half. And. I actually had a couple shop op shot opportunities on him. I had him in my scrape at 18 yards. He walked by me at 20. I mean, I, it was very hard to pass. He was a hard pass, but uh, I don't know. He's like number four on the hit list, so I was trying to hold out. Mm -hmm. But as the season grows longer, 
if he keeps daylighting like this and the other ones aren't and I have an itchy trigger finger, it's going to be hard. I may have to put an arrow in that guy. His body is a tank. Yeah, I haven't seen a picture of him, but what you were talking about last night, he sounds sounds big. Not yeah. not not really antler-wise, but body-wise. No, yeah. He's um, just really mature. He's old. Yeah, and he's all he's, deformed. Yeah, he's got one side, and we were talking about this. I don't he know said it looked. He said it looked like a salad fork. <laughs> <laughs> the one side is a stump, and it comes off the top of the head, and it's about as thick as your wrist. And he's got a couple of points that stick up. And I said it looked like a salad fork. He's just forked on one side, and the other side's just a big old eight point or well, four points. If he had both sides, I would suspect you, he'd be. You a said big he, eight. You, you said he was gray. He is. He's gray. He's gray muzzled, gray body, everything. Just a tank. He's gray like you. Yeah. I just shaved, so I got rid of the gray. Unlike you, old guy. Right. I'm old today. So, so yeah, I'm going to probably pull some uh, some Tacticam cards and try to make a short video out of it or something, <laughs> you know, him chasing some does around. Uh, if... My card reads this time. I had an incident this week. Mm -hmm. Dave knows about it because I called him and like, what the flip? I tried to make a whole video in review of the first week of archery from all my Tacticam footage. And the first card I put in would not read. And it was the one that I primarily did all my filming with for the week. It did not read. So I had to reformat the card, lose all my footage and start all over. It's unfortunate. Was not happy. So I did not have a, a interweek video to do in addition to our weekly podcast. well lesson learned never yeah. keep your footage on sd cards always put it somewhere else as a secondary source yeah i guess when you get it you gotta bring it home and unload it i used to when i was really into filming hunts and stuff i would collect for a few days i'd take it right off that card put it on a uh, external hard drive and i would save it mm -hmm. that way you have no issues because them cards are just finicky. They go bad all the time. And I've had issues where I couldn't, I couldn't get footage off of them. And I was, I was screwed. Yeah. I'm going to try to pull those today and uh, import them into my photos app and start doing a little editing for everybody's viewing pleasure. Yeah. You know, I won't say, you know, where the deer are at or anything in case any of my nosy neighbors are watching. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. You you want to talk about that incident or no? I, really, I, I don't know if I do or not. I mean, I yeah, mean, let, let's just put, I'll just put it out there. If you guys are dealing with some neighbors, man, it's, it's hard. It's hard. And, and the, the thing is they're hunters too. And I don't know why they do this stuff. Yeah, I, I, I had an incident this week where I was I was in a field hunting on the edge of a field over my food plots and the neighbor guy decided to mow the mow the uh, adjoining lane to the property at uh, 20 minutes to seven at prime time. And your car's parked there. And my car was parked there. So he knew I was in there and I talked to him before I went in and he asked me if I was going in there. I said, yeah. So I texted him and we had a few words and. Uh, he said, oh, I forgot. <clears throat> so well, thinking, it, thinking it may have been on purpose, thinking maybe it may be. 
I'll give them the benefit of the doubt because they were drinking and say, hey, okay, I'll give you a pass this time. Maybe he did actually forget because he was drunk. But <clears throat> the things I deal with. Well, that's why I started mainly hunting years ago solo. Just, you know, because I was used to being clubs and different type of things. And it just, it's, uh, anymore, it's, it's very competitive. So, yeah. and, you know, I, I used to tell, share information of bucks and, hey, I got this buck and this buck. And the next thing you know, you, you got three of your best friends in there trying to go behind you to, to shoot it. And, yeah. Um, yeah, I had a, a guy, uh, it's just a competition. Before I moved here, so I'm talking back in my young 20s when we had a camp down the road here. I used to come up on the weekends and hunt an area, and I started taking a buddy in. Well, then I didn't shoot anything magnificent. You know, I, I never even, I, as a matter of fact, I, don't, I never even shot a buck there except for some spikes back before we had antler restrictions. And I uh, shot some spikes in there, a couple does, and I guess he thought that was cat's meow. He wanted to be in there too while I wasn't. So uh, while I was at work all week down in Pittsburgh, while he was here climbing my exact tree that I climb. Mm -hmm. And I was coming up on weekends. I was getting blanked. I wasn't seeing any deer. And then coming down the tree the one night, I noticed the bark was all chinked up from a climber. And my climber was rubberized it didn't mark the bark at all so i figured it out one night i was coming down a tree i seen all the chink marks and i'm like somebody else is in here yeah well then i went in the next weekend and i seen this climbing stand coming down out of a tree about 80 yards in front of me right before dark i mean it was prime time the guy's climbing down i'm like why is this guy coming down at this time of day he's been in the woods all day why would he come down at prime time so packs up his stand comes packing it across in front of me and he looks up and he sees me like a deer in the headlights i'm like fred and he's like yeah i said what are you doing in here he's like oh well me joey and his dad been hunting this all season i'm like really hmm that's funny you know, I let it go. Didn't say nothing. Because he didn't know, you know, he didn't know what was going on. He, his brother-in-law just brought him in there. Well, right. his brother-in-law was the one I was taking in there on the weekends. So, yeah, that's why I went solo. And everybody's like, why you hunt by yourself all the time? Ain't that dangerous? I'm like, I'll, I'll take my chances. Yeah, I mean, uh, when I go on public land, I always send tj my location on my iphone because you can track each other mm -hmm. i always send him my location just because you never know because i'm always 95 percent of the time i'm hunting by myself yeah um but i'd TJ's like to have, a, tj's a guy that doesn't go but a couple of days of rifle season with you yeah he's going with me at the end of november there and he don't go to public land with you and things so it's a guy you can trust yeah you know so um yeah, I always send somebody my location. I wish I, you know, had somebody to hunt with, uh, you know, that you could trust, but it's yeah. hard. But um, we had that in, uh, situation last year on public land when I shot that velvet buck. Mm -hmm. Um, It was a 
pretty good velvet buck. And um, I took it where well, you had to take it back to the uh, the parking lot. And I had like six people. Hey, man, that thing's huge. Like, where'd you shoot that thing? I'm like, down, down the road. Where at? Well, down the road. Well, wh- where? Like, where exactly did you shoot it? I'm like, why? Why do you want to know? It's not It's not there no more. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's dead. Yeah, I, n- I never understood that. So I mean, yeah, maybe it left some siblings behind, or, you know. Uh, yeah, but they're good. They could some be anywhere. Genes. Yeah, they, they may have implanted some good genes in, in, during the rut or something, but uh, yeah, it's going to be a couple of years before they get big again. So why yeah. are you worried about that? Right. Let's Never talk about um, the second part of this. Uh, yeah. And that's trail camera locations. It's actually a good topic to. Yeah. Be where, kind where, of where a, do you want to you put your trail cams to pattern for your next deer? Which is kind of what I just did. Um, yeah. So. We can talk about that a little bit because it kind of refers to a little bit of a, a shift between where you had them and then right. where, where they need to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, what I did was my cameras originally on this public land. I'll talk about private too, but they were originally on the public. Um, they were in a few pinch points, but they were in pinch points closer to uh food sources i moved them to direct 100 percent pinch points closer to remote areas and thick cover areas yeah, and that's that's, how- that's where i got this buck on daylight that's i was just gonna say that's where i tend to set my uh cameras for this time of year i i try to get close to bedding where they're headed back to after their morning or evening uh jaunts out exploring all night long and uh hope to catch them coming back to bed in the morning or leaving bedding and going somewhere else for the evening that's kind of where i like to set up a camera i'll I'll share the book if it'll come up there. Uh, I mean, I could see it, but hold on. can't really see antlers. For the people watching. Hard to tell, but He's got yeah, long tines, G2s. It's a it's a 12 pointer. Mm-hmm. And uh there it is. Yeah, that's better. That's a good public land buck, Maryland buck right there. Yeah, so, for sure. Um but he's in daylight. So mm-hmm. keep going. Yeah, so I mean that's that's how I set up for uh for deer. That's how I set up and I'm getting those bear pictures. Uh, main travel corridors, basically, is what I look for. Main corridors going back to bedding. Not necessarily that one trail, you know, looking for that one buck. Because I actually did that, too, this year. I, I, I put a, I put up a blind camera this, this year in this one spot because... Two years ago when I shot this buck back there over the river, the next day I went back because 
it overlapped with the archery bear season at the time. And I thought, I just gutted that buck. I'll go back the next day and maybe hunt hunt the same spot over top the gut pile. Maybe a bear will come in. You know, who knows? So I went back there the very next day. And, man, I seen a couple whopper bucks out through the woods. I had to get the binos out and, and see them. But uh, I thought, wow, I, I want to set some cameras over there the next year or two, you know, and, and check this area out. And uh, so far, I was coming up empty, really, at this point. So... I'm guessing those deer that I saw were just out cruising for the rut time, you know. But, I mean, it was good intel to to see where they were coming from at that point in time of the year. So, yeah, they didn't pan out this early season for pictures, but that that's an area I might want to key in on later on, you know, in a mm-hmm. couple of weeks here. Yeah. I might, might want to, you know, bounce in between where I was and where they were and uh you know see if maybe i can catch one cruising there you know it seemed it seemed to be quite a frequent flow of deer coming through there as i was sitting in my stand i could see them it looked like they was all coming down through the same area you know mm-hmm. cruising through there in a i don't know what it was like in a six hour span of time it was a morning hunt i went in right after i killed the buck before dark and then the next morning I went in and hunted that stand again. And the, those deer were coming out in the morning. So anyhow, yeah, main corridors leading to and from bedding is mm-hmm. where I like to hang a stand. Because the public land that I'm hunting. Um, How many acres is that? It's very thick. Um, the property itself that I have to walk through is 100 and I walk off of that hundred onto the state forest. So I that's on that like the state forest there. How many acres? Boy, I don't know. Don't know. Thousands, thousands, and it wraps all along the river. You know, that's how this new place is. It's two thousand acres, but it's mm-hmm. bordered by the Potomac. Okay. And uh, it's uh, it's pretty cool. Pretty neat. see, like all. Almost all of the property joining the river is forest or conservancy, state-owned, basically. So anywhere you can basically uh, trace that river on both sides of the river is all state forest. So I walk off the top ridge, like I said, the, the up on the flat on the very top of the mountain is is privately owned and it's a hundred acres and I walk off of it and drop over the edges towards the river. And that's where I primarily hunt because the animals don't seem to uh, like lay around and stay up on the flat because there's a lot of pressure. You know, people come in there and they're walking around all the time. So I go down over the edges and uh, that's where the deer and the bears seem to seem to roam. Nice. And, and if they get bumped off the top, if they're up there by chance, up on because there, there is a white oak flat up there. If they do happen to get bumped off, guess where they run? They run down over the ridges mm-hmm. and they come down towards the river. So that's why I hunt those areas. And it's thick enough that, uh, like I said, they try to hit easily traveled corridor and 
what it is is tram roads. The place was timbered way back in the early 1900s, and uh, there's still noticeable tram roads that have grown in. You know, they're only like four or five feet wide, but that's what they run. They run right down these tram roads. I mean, and, and I was over there scouting around. And I told you this week I was over there scouting around. And I find all kind of bear crap, and it was on, it was on those tram roads. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, easy at least path of least resistance. Yeah, for sure. When they want to get somewhere quick, they know a good way. Mm-hmm. You know, bears, any animal. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So that's yeah, how so- that's how I try to pattern them now on on private land, of course. Uh, if I'm hunting private that those usually contain food plots or whatever, you know, and, and you can always just go along the edge of it. You could just take a walk along the edge of your fields. If you're not, if you're not glassing them at night from a distance and seeing where they're coming out, you could always just walk the edge of the field and look, and you can see main travel, uh, where they're entering and exiting the fields and you can follow them trails a little ways back in the woods and set up a camera facing you know, deeper and you'll catch them coming. Mm-hmm. You can see which ones are coming from what direction. Now, as the rut time comes though, it's more hard to pattern them in the rut because they're running ragged, man. They're running every direction, just chasing yeah. anything. So you're not necessary. If you catch one on camera during a rut and you're going to say, Oh, I'm going to hunt right there. You might be wasting your time. Yeah. You know, I usually, it's hard to pinpoint. To, yeah. I usually stick to just uh, like pinch points during a rut or the deer well it at rut time you're better off just sticking to the trails that the does travel normally mm-hmm. because where the does are the bucks will be so there's a little pointer there you know I mean, yeah when you're trying to hunt a field or something during a rut i mean that buck's <laughs> gonna be he's coming it, from any direction anywhere but if you hunt the pinch point leading to that field yep, that he's going to use main trails you have a better corridor, chance Yep, tram you road, anything, hunt, any, hunt. anywhere that the, the those are running, that's where they're going to be coming from. Yeah, hunting that field edge might get you a, a large view of what's happening, mm-hmm. but the chances of you being able to get a bow shot are pretty slim. So if you stick to, you know, the pinch point leading to that, you have a better chance of uh, of getting something. Yeah, or like you said, like like the main trail coming in and out because mm-hmm. they're they're the does are either going to come in to feed there and you might tow in a buck or when they're getting chased that's easy access out right exit, exit plan mm-hmm. yeah exit stage right right exactly like we're gonna do yeah exit stage right well yeah. that's that's episode 42 so 42. that's the october law continued october and uh trail camera locations yeah Yep, yep. So I'm happy. Yep. All right. So I'm 80. Su- I'm less than 80 subs away from my 1000 giveaway. Mm-hmm. Nice. So if guys are going to come over and subscribe, get it in now. I'm probably uh, what I'm going to do is there's a local guy here. It makes a he gets a uh, Kershaw knife and he can laser engrave the blade. So that's going to be a giveaway I'm going to have. All right. It'll be a city sticker one off youtube 1000 subscriber giveaway there you go Go get in subscribe and get in today's saturday Mm -hmm. you're leaving to come to my house wednesday yes i am that's also my birthday so remember you got three days of shopping left for me dave yep fine that's fine i'll give you (laughs) i'll give you some baby wipes give me that flashlight 
right. And uh, I got to look for that. And um, so we're headed down sick of hunting Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Yeah, man. So we hopefully, stack them up. Hopefully, uh, I, I think hope we, we stack should, them up. <laughs> I think we should wait till next Sunday morning to re- record the podcast. Mm. That way we can talk about our sick of hunt. Yeah, we could probably do that. Instead of, so this will release Sunday, tomorrow. Wait till the following Sunday morning and record, and we can talk about our sick of hunt. We could record it right at your house together before I leave to come home. We can. We could be on the same screen in the same room. Yeah, we could do that. I got a couch right here. We can do yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Back, just back the camera up, pan out, and we can sit on the couch and talk. Yeah. We sit right there, and we can back this bad boy up like that. Yeah. That's fine. We can do that. Good idea. Do that. About time I'm, you come up with something good. I'm always coming up with stuff good. Jeez. All right. All right, guys. We'll see you on Chris. You'll see me and Chris sitting right here on episode 43. Yeah. Hopefully with a bag uh, cooler full of bags of meat. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see. Later. <laughs>